Welcome back to the regular exclusive podcast with Jason Renee, as always. And uh, we're going to start this week on a little bit of a somber note because this, well, recently we just lost one of the all timers, Matthew Perry. Oh, God. So sad. And like, we don't know all the details yet of what happened. But they found him in uh, his hot tub. Wasn't sure if it was drowning or if he passed out or he had a heart attack. We don't know. But all we do know is that we lost a very important person from our upbringing. Because I I think Chandler's one of those characters that Matthew Perry really just made iconic. And there's no other actor that can be seen as Chandler. Oh like, yeah. They would never remake it. Like there's just no no one else who could do what he does. Well, they're they're about to remake the office. So don't say never remake friends. Are they remaking but, the office? Yeah, but that's a different conversation. Oh my god, okay. Save that for the movie news because <laughs> like what? Okay. Anyways, but, let's focus. <laughs> but like Matthew Perry is the only person that, that I feel like anyone can see as Chandler. I mean, same thing with all those actors, but like yeah. Chandler, like Chandler was the guy from friends that everyone wanted to be like, I feel like I'm like Chandler. That's like, everybody thought that they were Chandler, but they were like, if you thought you were a Chandler, like you were probably a Ross, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like those people and like, nobody could be Joey. I feel like it's too, like there's, there's some people, but like they're rare. I feel like everyone though always wanted to be Chandler. He was the one yeah. that, like, all the guys were like, he's the funniest, he's the best. He's, like, the most erotic, which is why I always loved him, you know? The most, er, did you say erotic? <laughs> yes. No, I said the most neurotic, I would almost oh, say. Like, him, and, him, and, him and Monica are pretty neurotic together. So, like, I did always just feel like he was just so, so fucked up and so hilarious. And just, like, his character was just really lovable and amazing how he got these like like some of the lines that Chandler has were like so good that like you didn't even notice him at first like he mm -hmm. just got he was so fucking funny and oh I hate that like he's not here anymore because that feels wrong and he was like a perfect blend of physical comedy and delivery oh yeah I mean and, yeah <laughs> and, and I feel like he really took sarcasm mainstream oh 100% <laughs> Oh my God. I love him. I, I still think of like, there's certain phrases in my vocabulary that like, I would, I feel like I'll always hear them as Chandler. You know what I mean? Just things that yeah. he would say and stuff. Like, I mean, whenever I say shut up, I always think of his shut up, shut up, shut up. Like just the way, like his, his annoyance, but also his sarcasm, like everything that he would come back with was just like, man, I wish I could fucking have those jokes. Like he was mm -hmm. just, so good. And then also, you know, when he was going, like, I just feel like the character was always great. Never, never a, a slump. You know what I mean? Even in the final mm -hmm. season, some of the characters were like eh, a little bit too much. And then it's like, but I love Chandler from the first to the end. You know, he was perfect. Yeah, I think the only thing I ever didn't like of Chandler is that brief period where he had a goatee. Not, not <laughs> well, a big fan of that. I thought it was cute. <laughs> I personally, I think I, I always loved him in the first couple seasons the most because he was at his craziest. And then now when I like 
rewatch it, I'm like, oh, it's sad to say that because it's like that's also when he was like at his lowest personally, you know, with drugs mm-hmm. and shit. And it's so sad. It's like he him and Robin Williams, I feel like are very like eye opening people for me that were like, wow, sometimes the people who like fake it the best and like think make you think like they can make you laugh and feel better. Mm-hmm. But like sometimes they're like the like worst off on the inside, which is so sad. Yeah. It's yeah, so sad that. Yeah, that's that's really true. Um, yeah, like the people that are sometimes the most charismatic, the most engaging, the most just they bring you the most joy are the people that need a lot of help and they need some joy yeah it's very very sad but Mm -hmm. matthew perry was was obviously amazing in friends and he also had some really good stuff outside of that you know he had the whole nine yards series with bruce willis i actually really love those movies (laughs) That and the whole 10 yards, both of them. I think I watched the whole 10 yards first, but mm. I like both of them. I know I've seen one of them. I don't think I've seen the other one. <laughs> but They're yeah, both it's really kind of like, I, I don't know which one I've seen. Um, had great chemistry with Bruce Willis, which is funny because I feel like they weren't really like, they didn't interact much when he, when Bruce Willis guest starred on Friends, he was like interacting mm-hmm. a lot with like Rachel and like and Ross. Ross. And so I feel like with those movies, I was like, damn, I love them together. They're hilarious. (laughs) Serving Sarah. I forgot about that movie. That's also one that I had seen a long time ago. And it was just like really good. Him and Elizabeth Hurley. I liked that one. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that movie. That's where, yeah, he's he's serving the the legal papers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Um, a thing I personally loved him in just because it's my favorite show. I loved his episode of Scrubs. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> he is so funny in that. And so he funny. plays like he plays like a really old and grumpy Chandler, which is hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. He he kind of plays like Chandler, like if he had never gotten with Monica and he ended up becoming like the, the creepy neighbor downstairs where he's like, <laughs> I will have, I'll collect, I'll, they'll call me the snake man. I'll have snakes and they will be my babies and children will run. <laughs> like that yeah. kind of like preview of his life. I feel like that's kind of the character for, from Scrubs. Yeah, Scrubs, yeah. <laughs> he, he's a guy that get, that comes to the hospital because his dad is is dying and, and he's like, I don't like my dad. And he's like, mm-hmm. why don't you like your dad? He's like, well, first off, he named me Murray. And they're like, Murray's a great name. Like, and then he's just like, can you name another person named Murray under the age of 70? <laughs> For like, real, though. Oh, no. And then he's like in the hospital. He's like, Murray! And like five different old guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, it's so he, sad. I just like, I really loved, I felt like it was, a lot of people were worried seeing him on the like Friends reunion. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just like, you know, I really hadn't seen him on a ton of stuff recently, obviously, like he hadn't really acted, I think, in the last couple of years. So it was just kind of shocking, I think, for all of us to see. I mean, they're all older, but like Matthew Perry definitely did not look as good as like he used to. Like he looked like he was probably in the worst health out of all of them. I'm Mm. not saying that we should all have seen this coming and been prepared for it because I still think it was way too soon. Yeah. The fact that like. If the if, like we can't be that old yet, right? Like they're not the friends cast. They're okay. They're not all. They're not that old yet. Like this felt Re- too soon. Renee, you know that we can't have this conversation. I know you. You thinking about your age, it, it never goes anywhere good. 
but you are no. right. We had not seen him in a while. The last movie that he did, he did, popped up on some TV shows. But the last movie he did was Seventeen again. Oh in yeah, not bad. Not he bad. Did great in that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say not bad actually, but yeah. <laughs> I I mean I just I love him. He made Chandler so incredible, and I kind of feel like he's like one of those those actors where it was just like he fucking nailed Chandler that like it was hard for him to get out of that I bet you know oh, yeah yeah it, he, like Dwight it, same I mean Rain Wilson excuse me yeah. but similar <laughs> yeah like he's a one of one there he is Chandler I think it's very fair to say that any lows that friends experienced Chandler definitely helped carry him through that always yeah a hundred percent Regardless of whatever the story, he was always just hilarious. Always just a delight. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I almost feel like, I don't know. Have you watched Friends yet? I don't know if I can. It's too soon. Like, I'm worried. I've been like, I'm like, I'm going to be laughing and then crying hysterically and then laughing again. It's just going to be too brutal. Oh, uh, we've been watching Friends since it happened. Like, oh. it's it's just been the background show that, like, we keep on. And oh, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's hard sad. though. Yeah. It's sad. Like it's like, oh, he Shit. was he was he was so good. Like and even like you see interviews of him like more recently and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's just like he's such a great person. I and know. It, it really sucks. So I know. It's just well. it's very sad and and I uh, I mean it's a very depressing uh, start to this episode so apologies to everybody but <laughs> hey well, if you want to cheer yourself up maybe try and watch a couple funny clips from friends some of the ones that i was like in like watching on on social media were like good enough where it was just like some funny clips of like all mm -hmm. the best lines of chandler and it was like even that was hard for me to take so uh, we just watched the episode where they make the bet for new year's resolutions that he can't make fun of anyone for a week and it's it's just the best. It's like that. Anything with Joey in their in their apartment, like Fireball, or, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. or like the uh, the Halloween episode with Sputnik and him and him as the rabbit. <laughs> Always no rabbit. <laughs> it was like, or it was it was either this or, or it was either that or no bunny at all. And he's like, "Always no bunny at all. Always." <laughs> <laughs> oh r.i.p to uh, a legend man it's tough but well let's uh let's take a quick break and let's hop over to a haunting in venice hercule poirot i've found something i've looked at it from every which way i am the smartest person i ever met and i can't figure it out so i came to the second you are up to something my friend I've seen a million of these so-called psychics, each one a fake. I do not believe in psychics. Come with me to a seance. Spot the con I can't. Detective, you are here to discredit me, but I can talk to the dead. I'd give all I have to hear my daughter's voice. If someone wants to be heard, we are here. Listening. A Haunting in Venice. And uh, this took me a while to really remember that it's called A Haunting in Venice because when I would search on Hulu, 
haunting in Venice. It took a while for it to come up. So the A is really important at the beginning. Is it? I always just like, if there's an A, I'm like, what's the main phrase? Come on, work with me, fucking platform, whatever you are. I was surprised. I had to, I had to really get into like halfway through haunting for it to pull up haunting in Venice. Cause you know, there's different things like haunt, you know, there's, there's actually a movie called movies. the haunting. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was surprised the a was very important. There's uh, the haunting in whatever. There's like a billion of those. I feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot. I feel like there was some producer that was like, you know, there's a lot of haunting movies. So if we do a haunting that will separate it out for the SEO. Yeah, exactly. That'll, <laughs> that'll work. And that's actually interesting that they chose to do that because that's actually not the name of the story that it's based on. So like, I think that's the first time that they've done it because I think a death on the Nile, I could be wrong. I haven't read an Agatha Christie book, but like, I'm pretty sure murder, murder on the Orient express and death on the Nile are both the titles of the books. Oh, so haunting of haunting in Venice is a bit different. And it's from a, a from a novel called Halloween Party. So I'm like, I guess that I is pretty prefer, generic. I would have pref preferred that title. Halloween, Halloween Party. Party. That's so generic. <laughs> I mean, just outside of the fucking Halloween franchise, but like also a holiday. Remember when you were like, God, when you were talking about when I think it was last year, we talked about Halloween 2018 and you're like the worst movie to look up. I can't fucking find it. It's like, you got to put the year with it, dude. Or if not, you're going to be fucked. There's too many Halloween <laughs> and it's a holiday. Like, that's what I'm saying. A Haunting in Venice, I think, works. I think it's it, it matches the, the similar like kind of four or five words, whatever, of like the other titles. They're kind of long anyway. So I, just, I think it fits. Yeah, yeah. I'm just having fun with it. But uh well, how dare you fucking have fun on this podcast, Chase? <laughs> right, I forget that these are these movies are really important to you. No, I'm kidding. Did, we can have as did, much fun did, as did you like. Did you rewatch the first two <clears throat> in preparation for this this pod? Um, I rewatched Murder on the Orient Express today because I just love it so much and uh did not rewatch Death on the Nile because we just watched that one and like you know, I know you liked that more than I did. So I just <laughs> I really only rewatched Murder on the Orient Express. Okay, okay. So this is the uh at this point, it's the trilogy. It's the third movie in the Kenneth Branagh or sorry, correct me if I say this wrong, Hercule Poirot. Good job. Thank you. sound you. very French or wherever he's from, Belgium. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> but yes, it's the third one. Who knows if we'll have more? But he's also Sir Kenneth Branagh. I don't know if that is important to you, but... Knighted? Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's like running around with a suit of armor or anything, but yes, he is well, knighted I, I, by I the Queen. I get it. I know. <laughs> I didn't realize he was knighted as a character. Okay. No, I mean like in real life, the actor is. Oh, Kenneth Branagh is knighted. Yeah, not not. That's why I said Sir <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. I didn't say Sir. And plus, that would just be too, too much of a fucking word salad. I would not want to say Sir Hercule Poirot. Like I can barely get that out. <laughs> well, that was the weird thing. I'm like, he's not English. Do they do they knight people that aren't English? They but... knight a lot of Belgians. Weirdly, no, I don't know, <laughs> but I imagine not. So total. We're just off the rails. Three minutes in, I love it. That we're just doing what we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was, uh, again, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh and Sir uh, Kenneth they, Branagh. <laughs> Sir Kenneth Branagh. Don't tattle on me. Same writers, uh, Michael Green and Agatha Christie. 
She's the, the the novel. It's based on. She's yeah, not the correct. writer for the movie. I'm just saying, based off IMDb. Okay, we're not I mean, in the industry. We're just two idiots talking about movies. It also but. says that it was released on September 15, 2023, which was her 133rd birthday. Dame she's Agatha Christie. She's on that Tom Brady diet. That's like. what I'm saying. She's still going <laughs> at it, writing movies and shit. We should all aspire to be Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, so this one, um, I don't know exactly w- how many years or whatever it takes place after Death on the Nile, but it's post-World War II, which... I feel like I it's a while. All, I feel like all of them are post-World War II. No, I don't think no? so. I don't was believe so. Was the flashback so. in Death on the Nile, was that World War One with the mustache yeah. origin story? I think so, yeah. Okay. But anyway, they're now in Venice. They're not in the desert. They're not on a train. They're in a city that is eventually going to sink. And um, it's a pretty good time. They have uh, they have a great cast of characters. We have uh, our Lord and Savior, Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Um, Tina Fey in a non-comedic role, but very, very good. And, um, and then also, uh, I feel like the notable person is Kelly Riley, Famous in Yellowstone, and in Yellowstone, she is she is a bad bitch. I was Ooh. very impressed with her because in Yellowstone, she has a very like good, cool Southern accent, and this she just gets rid of it. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah. She's great. I mean, she's been around forever. I feel like, especially on TV, like she. A lot of people don't really like respect season two True Detective, but like I went back and rewatched that a few years ago. And it was so good. Like, it's just, it's so different from the first one. But, like, she was really great in that as Vince Vaughn's wife. And I thought, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember her. Oh, I didn't realize that she was in that. I need to go back and rewatch that. Because, yeah, I Worthwhile. I don't remember it being great. But I, I think I agree with you. Like, it's so different from the first one, which the first season of True Detective might be the greatest single season of a, of a show of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. I feel like season two might have just been very jarring in how different it was. So I need to go back and rewatch it because I love the cast of that season. Oh, yeah. Okay. so you want to know? I just looked it up because I'm awesome. But I looked up what the year each of the movies takes place in case you're curious about that. Hit me. We're not sure. This is usually what I do. So I I love it. it. Um, I'm the detective today. So Murder on the Orient Express takes place first and it was released first it takes place in 1934 okay and death on the nile takes place in 1937 so only three years later okay and uh haunting in venice takes place 10 years later in 1947 wow 10 years after death on the nile technically okay okay so so he's like retired it's been a while this is the only one that's post world war ii the rest of them were pre-World War II. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, like a big part of haunting in Venice is that he's retired and like has been retired. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, I feel like in each of the movies, he loses a little bit of that humanity and like hope for the world. Like it kind of. As much as like he always does the thing and solves the murder, it's like he's kind of a little bit more broken or like fragile at the end or like, you know, like he's just kind of got and at, the, at least death on the Nile, he was kind of hopeful. But mm-hmm. now he's like 10 years later. Clearly, that didn't go well. So 
However, he is retiring what he said he wanted to do, you know, in the country doing his gardening shit and getting the only person that comes and sees him is the pastry chef twice a day. I loved that so much. <laughs> I mean, in that time, he watched the the House of Hammer documentary, which he's just like, that guy was way worse than I thought originally. Yeah. But, <laughs> and uh, now Kenneth Brown is like, I'm going to reflect this in the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, so what yeah, did you so, think about this movie? Can I ask you up front? Y- yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. Uh, I enjoy oh, it. I hope you fucking will. You enjoyed it. That's why we're here, I thought. But uh <laughs> But yes. No, I, I I enjoyed it. So here, before we, we jump into it, since we always do this, quick recap on the success of these movies. So first one, murder on the Orient Express, um uh just blew blew everything away. It had like a fifty million dollar budget, it did over three hundred million worldwide. However, it's the lowest ranked if you look at like Rotten Tomatoes, at least, because now this is the thing that you've made me check when I look <laughs> up movies and I'm a slave to it. So it's weird because For- I think at least I think I'm pretty positive. Yes, it, the critics and the audience both uh, like do not like it as much. So it's funny that like maybe this just like everyone wanted to see it because of the familiarity of like the title, the Agatha Christie stuff. I mean, obviously, for a newer generation, it's still like thing, but it's like a detective story. I feel like that's pretty broad appeal. Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about in our previous conversations with these with these movies like this and um, Knives Out filled a gap that essentially no one else was filling. And so, yeah, the murder mystery is real good. Yeah. The first one. This was like the first murder mystery in a while, like back in 2017. Knives Out came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the first one just blew up. Um, then the second one had a little bit of COVID in it. So a little bit of Army Hammer in it. <laughs> had a little bit of big box office, a little bit of COVID, little Army Hammer. So, like, it did 90 million budget, uh, $137 million gr- gross. So, didn't do the standard of doubling your your budget but i feel like the studios are like hey your first one was so so successful um we'll trust that there's some factors that maybe affected this yeah i would hope i i was honestly like surprised that the studios would even like go for the third because i was like wow I mean, I agree. It's not his fault that like Army Hammer turned out to be a fucking terrible person unless he was like that on set every day. But like it doesn't sa- it sounds like everybody like didn't know this whole other side to him. So I feel like it's not his fault. And also the covid. So it's like I'm really glad that there was a third movie because I was excited. I love these movies like a lot more than you do, I think. But mm-hmm. overall, I was just excited to see Poro again. Yeah, and I was glad that they did do a third one because I like I like new IP. You know, mm-hmm. like this isn't some franchise that, you know, we've seen 20 movies of. This is like, hey, I'm going to do this murder mystery movie in a style that I know that I'm really good at and I love. Yeah. And I love seeing success like that cuz that's what we need. We can't live off Star Wars and Marvel for our entire lives. I agree. These movies were like at least uh, Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile are both technically re- like remakes, but they're like readaptions. Adaptions. But like, yeah, they're still like new because like it's been a really long time, I believe the 70s or so when those were made. 
So like it's been a long time and it's not like Star Wars or Marvel where we're getting they're cranking out them all the time. So like this is still and then also a haunting in Venice, I believe, is either like the first or second adaptation of that story might Mm -hmm. be the second, but like the first like big one. So it's like actually new IP within like it's still a novel, but it's like at least it's a fresh one. It's not like I think Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express might be some of the most famous uh, Agatha Christie stories. So I think it was cool to like go in a totally different direction. Plus, they at least released this in September for fucking Halloween since it's a haunting Venice. Thank God. Which yeah. has been like the theme of most of October. Is like, why were these released in the summer? But Yeah, why are they just now on stream? I mean, I get it. A lot of people are watching them now, but still. Like, fucking put them in the theater. Anyways. But what did a haunting in Venice do? Because I'm curious. So haunting in Venice did did good. It, it was on a $60 million budget. And it grossed over 120 worldwide. So I awesome. think we're going to get a fourth. I think we're going to get I would love to. Yeah. You know what's cool is that I, the reason, one of the reasons I instantly like this better than uh, Death on the Nile, I think, was because he made a point that like a lot of the stuff was shot on location for this movie. Like they literally shot in Venice, which is super mm. fucking cool because one of the things that really took me out of Death on the Nile was like, I mean, obviously the production design is incredible. And all that stuff. But like I did feel like I really noticed the fake backgrounds. And I was like, God damn you, Disney. Like Fox. Like <laughs> they're, they're like, you know, they took over the fucking shit. And I'm just like, I can see it. Like I can fucking see it. Are you, are you talking it. about on Death in the Nile? Yeah. Like can't you okay. tell like with all the pyramids and shit? You're like, obviously they're not there. Like it was yeah. just so CGI'd compared to like, I feel like Murder on the Orient Express. It's snow. So it's a lot harder to tell. And it's really dark outside yeah. of the train. But like Haunting in Venice, I really enjoyed the real locations. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. And I think, um, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's definitely going to get a sequel. Now, the real question is going to be when does when does the actor strike uh, wrap up? Because Kenneth Branagh and the team can write for it. Mm hmm. Yeah, but they can't start shooting it until until the fucking studios get their bullshit together. But, (laughs) you know, I'm hopeful that we could get another one. I really enjoyed these. But should we do our I think we should knock our rankings out of the way because I just have to know what you you want to get that out. I mean, we were just talking about the box office for each of these. I feel like we should also talk about like how the audience ranks them and then how we do. Okay, I'm curious. Uh, I just can't wait. (laughs) <laughs> so this whole this whole audience ranking thing for those who aren't on our YouTube, um, Get we on just there. wrapped up. We just wrapped up recording, so it's not posted yet. But we wrapped up recording our Saw franchise rankings, and we did our rankings, and then the Rotten Tomato audience score. And now Renee is scarred from that, so now she did this. So Renee, you start us off. Tell <laughs> okay. So, well, Jace, you said that we should, when we talk about Haunting in Venice, we should rank all three of these movies and talk about, like, where we put them compared to each other. And because you're a ranking slave. Okay. I learned that from the league, that fantasy football show. And that's, like, so you. You love to fucking rank things. And because you just, like, blew my mind and, like, killed my faith in humanity with the Saw rankings. (laughs) And, like, like, just those were so upsetting that, like, now it's, like, a fucking, like, bomb that went off in my brain and now I have to like I'm like oh I'm ranking these movies I'm probably totally opposite of the audience again and I was so I let's go through it let's do like how we did on the saw one which now I hope you go watch it because we're really enticing it 
<laughs> also, I think this might be the first trilogy that we've ever talked about on the podcast. You're right. We've talked, yeah. about, we've talked about X and Ma- and Pearl, but we haven't mm-hmm. got to Maxine. And I feel like you can't really do rankings until you have like at least a trilogy. Agreed. But anyways, continue. Plus, you're a ranking slave, so you're just going to try and get it in whenever. I know, but it's okay. So I think we should do it like how we did on Saw, where we go through like from the third to the second to the okay. first. Okay. All right. And we'll alternate giving ours and then the audience rating. So I don't think it's going to be any surprise to you that my number three is Death on the Nile. Yeah. I know you liked it more than me and I don't hate it by any means. I enjoy all three of these movies, but I just think it's like, it's just not my vibe. And also army hammer just kind of ruins it for me, especially (laughs) after that fucking documentary. So what, what do you have as number three? I think I know, but I'm going to be really sad if it's true. I am really torn on number three. I really, yeah, I, cause I agree with you. None of these are bad movies. Yeah. I maybe don't rank them overall as high as you do, but like these are still good and very enjoyable movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would put Venice at the third. Really? Yeah. And wow, I'll get into why I think that as we. Yeah, talk I'm not expecting you to tell me all. This right isn't now. a 20 minute podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more. <laughs> Jeez, but... you have two minutes. It's like a fucking saw trap. <laughs> two minutes to do brain surgery but instead you're giving us your Kenneth Branagh I can't even say this, this is the word salad again this whole franchise I don't even know what to call it yeah. but the Poro can we just call it the Poro franchise yeah the Poro list yeah okay What's so your three so I already said my three so mine was death on the Nile so you have oh. haunting in Venice we'll talk about it I'm just okay, not the biggest want- fan you want me to give my second? Yeah, give me your second. Oh, actually, let me tell you what the number three is for the yes, audience. Do that. Because this is where I was so upset. And it was the same, actually, for critics and audience. But fuck the critics. But <laughs> the audience score is 54%. So it's rotten. And it's the lowest in, like out of all three for Murder on the Orient Express. Murder on the Orient is the lowest? That's what I was saying. It like did the most money, but it was the first one. And I guess like, I don't know, but the user audience is 54%. So it's rotten. Wow. I like, I'm, I don't love Murder on the Orient, but I don't think I'd put it at 54%. That's, That's like th- bullshit. That's what I'm saying. This made me instantly <laughs> pissed off. <laughs> There's enough production value in there for it to be above that. Like, should, yeah, the critics have it at 60, which I'll say better, but like bullshit. So anyways, OK, let's go. Number two. What's your number two? So I think my number two is murder on the Orient Express. OK. And it's shocking that the score is so low because when we talked about murder on the Orient, my big thing is I felt like I was too dumb to follow really all the the story beats that were going on Mm -hmm. and i'm still placing that above venice like i followed all the threads in venice better than in orient but i overall i'd say i liked orient better Mm -hmm. so i'm really surprised that 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 score is that low I agree. I I don't understand it, and I have a huge problem with it. But whatever, teach their own, I guess. Um, so I have for number two, I have a haunting in Venice. Okay, I really liked this one, but it's not my favorite because of my favorite is. Uh, we'll get that. Obviously, it's obvious, but 
the number two ranked by the audience is A Haunting in Venice, 77%. Wow. Which is way higher than Murder on the Orient Express. I was like, that's crazy. It's 77? Mm-hmm. Audience score. Crit- critics, wow. 75. Yeah. This is their highest rank for the critics. <laughs> which is insane. What was the audience? 77. So it's a little bit okay, higher okay. than the critics, even. But... Okay. The audience score, just since we're on it, their number one is Death on the Nile. They have it at an 82% Death on the Nile with Army fucking Hammer in it. I just can't believe it. But here's the thing. Army Hammer is barely in those movies, and maybe that's why. But yeah, still, it's still a lot. It's too much. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Here, Renee, let me give you a little bit of credit, okay? I'm going to be on your side with this because... Death on the Nile is at the top of my list, but that's because it's murder mysteries for dummies. Yeah. And so I can enjoy this movie essentially the same way that I enjoy like an Adam Sandler going to a tropical island movie. It's a vacation movie. Like I can just follow along and like it's not too complicated. Exactly. They're like this is murder mystery. So the fact that that's the highest and I agree with them, that's how you know it's wrong. You're right. Thank you, Jace. Okay, I was expecting you to really side with the audience here and be like, yeah, you know what? They're right. The The critics, at least, they they have this at a 61%. So it's like 1% above Murder on the Orient Express, which is just weird to me because I do feel like Murder on the Orient Express is definitely better than Death on the Nile. But that's just me, so, I guess, because so- nobody agrees with me. The data does not back this up. <laughs> so Venice is the highest rated critics and audience. No, audience, highest rating is Death on the Nile, but Haunting in Venice is the number one for the critics. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then my number one, obviously, is Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Because I just, the, you can't beat the first one. And I love the train, and I know it's been done before, but, like, I really enjoyed that movie. And it's real cute that you went that whole time without saying, you know, and Johnny Depp. is. I mean, obviously, like- but I don't want to seem biased. But, like, also, Johnny <laughs> Depp's incredible, and he's, like... It, it's just great. So, anyways, what I'm assuming you're num- we've already confirmed your number one's Death on the Nile, but I'm glad that you at least agree with me. Like it's 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 just a dumbed down version of the first two. I mean, oh, there's still I, some clever stuff, but like I do feel like it's it's just the other ones are a little bit more clever, yeah, a little bit more involved. <laughs> yeah, like ultimately, like they're murder mysteries, and depending on. And especially these being based off like a really renowned writer. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you don't know who that writer is and you, you don't if you don't know who that is or any real thing like, yeah, if you can't follow along like you're a dummy like me, then, yeah, th- that makes sense, which is kind of a problem. But that's also why I feel like <laughs> Knives Out is so successful. I mean, knives out demand more. They dumb it down a lot. (laughs) Yeah, but they also they they do. But it's like that's just to have wider appeal, I'm sure. But like, I really enjoy like, especially with haunting in Venice and murder on the Orient Express. That like, there's a whole nother case that like already happened that they get through in the whole movie. And I know that that was your problem with murder on the Orient Express. So I guess I'm not surprised that like it's also not your favorite for haunting in Venice because they go right back to it. But like. Death on the Nile, it's like, there's nothing. There's just an affair at the beginning of the movie, and that's it, which is pretty easy to keep track of. That's all. And obviously, we all know it's fucking Army Hammer, okay? 
We all know what he's up to. We all know that guy's a fucking sketchy ass creep. There's no way he's the hero. Maybe maybe that's why Death in the Nile is my favorite because I already knew the ending. And so I'm like, I'm not so dumb that I couldn't figure out the ending. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the cannibal exactly. is the guy. But yeah, anyway, that let's, talk about, smart. let's actually talk about a haunting in Venice. All right, we're, we're good. I just wanted to get that out of the way. I was just like, really, like it bothered me. So let's talk about something that I, I enjoyed didn't bother it. me. I, I liked you leading the ranking. This was a fun little switch up. This but... is the fucked up shit that you do to me, Jace. <laughs> I don't like it. All right. So Haunting in Venice. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. This was a good time. I was a little surprised. And maybe this is a CGI thing or a budget thing. I don't know. I felt like in the previous two movies, the location was a very big part of the movie. You know, and that's like getting those Ridley Scott kind of like panning CGI images of the train or of fake yeah. Egypt. And I enjoyed those. And I felt like this movie was kind of the least where the location was like a character in the movie. Yeah, like it's weird like though because it is like they they like from the very beginning it's like this place is haunted so you'd think it would have more of like a more stuff to do with it which it it kind of does but it's also not at all. It's just not as much of a character like you said. It's a lot darker, it's spookier, it's more sullen and like kind of well, different than the other two being so lavish and beautiful. That's true. I I was saying more so the Venice part of it. Oh, like, totally, but still agreed, yeah. Like, I, it's probably not the right comparison. It's but it's where my my brain went. I compared this to like uh, the James Bond Casino Royale, where that movie ends up in Venice. Mm-hmm. There's like action scenes in Venice, and so I felt like Venice was like a part of the movie. Yes, yeah. they're inside a lot. Like it's you know, all the, in the same location, basically, like the other two. But it's not so much with like. The actual like location around the building like they literally don't it's like if in death on the nile they never left the boat right or yeah. like they just literally were in the same place and same with the train i mean they basically were but so i guess it's kind of like that but the train was like such a cool location and very like interesting i think of like the idea of a murder on a train is always a good concept so yeah like so murder on the orient express takes place in a train which like has a natural aesthetic to it and then death on the nile it takes place on this giant you know i don't party boat thing um which has an aesthetic a boat i think we could safely say (laughs) (laughs) pretty sure they call it a boat (laughs) (laughs) it's not a ship i'll tell you that (laughs) but then this one was like it felt like it was in a castle. So it's like if you were to say this was in Venice or if it was in a castle out in England, like it would have looked the same other than like the moat and yeah. things for boats to, to come the up. water canal thing. Yeah. But I like that they actually shot there at least for like the scenes that were outside. Yeah. And so like I really enjoyed inside the thing. But yeah, I, I 
if you're in Venice, I feel like there's going to be a lot more like canal stuff. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen the movie The Tourist with Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie, and they do a lot of that stuff in that movie. So I was like, I just didn't expect this movie to have a bunch of action sequences, Jace. It's not Fast and the Furious, okay? <laughs> Most of them are that's like... My, that's my measurement. but <laughs> That's your measurement for entertainment. I'm like, I get it, but they're not going to be like fucking doing boat chases. <laughs> That, but none uh, of these have been like that. <laughs> well, the one thing um, that I did enjoy in this, it's in like the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or less. Um, enjoyed the uh, random seagull killing a crow. Did not see that coming. Mm, but like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is uh, this is some yeah. imagery. OK, I'm going to carry this on. <laughs> yeah. Some spooky shit right there. I don't even know that was possible. Yeah. But okay, so this movie was really marketed other than Michelle Yeoh. It was marketed as like it's a murder mystery with horror to it. Yeah, they made it seem like like I feel like when I first saw the trailer, I had no idea it was a sequel to Death on the Nile or Murder on the Orient Express. Like I feel like halfway through or like towards the end, they show they show Poirot and you're like, oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was like a horror movie. And then I'm like, well, obviously, like that was one thing I was going to ask, like based on the first two movies, like were you, they try to make it seem like this throughout this movie. It's like the big debate is, are the ghosts real or not? Did you expect at any point that they would be real? Because I feel like from the trailer, I thought, sure. Yeah, this is haunted. But then I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a detective story like from those two. I don't think there's any supernatural shit, you know, yeah, the, the trailer really threw me off because I was like, oh, Michelle Yeoh in a horror movie. OK, let's do this. I'd watch yeah, that. I was um, like all about that. And then, yeah, at the end of the trailer, you get the mustache and it's like, oh, this is. This is a okay. This is a Hercule Poirot movie. Okay, yeah. I did, did not see that twist. Uh, it was a twist in a trailer. It's been a while. Um, and yeah, I was like, I still was like, okay. Well, now I'm, I'm, ex I love that Michelle Yeoh's in it because good for her and good for him to have her in the movie. So that's great. And I also was just like, I mean, I, I figured from that reveal that's not going to be really a horror movie, and I was right. But like, <laughs> yeah. it definitely was spookier than the first two. I'll give you that. Well, and I, I, I feel like Michelle Yeoh had already like wrapped up this movie before she won the Oscar. I don't know if she did, but I could. Be I wrong. mean, maybe she won the Oscar during it, but like, I don't know. I, I think knowing that uh, how much I love her and then she won the Oscar, like I was like, oh, I'm ready for Michelle Yeoh to like be in this movie. Really? And because I was a, like my main note for this movie was Jace was right because you were like, but when we first saw the trailer talked about this movie, you're like, and this is where we're getting to spoilers. But you were literally like, oh, yeah, Michelle Yeoh is going to be the one that dies. And I was like, what? How? <laughs> why do you think that? That can't be. She has to be in the whole movie. And then you gave your theory. Do you remember it? So I'm shocked that you would no. even say that you were expecting her to be in it. Okay. Well, I was like, wow, Jace really called it because you said that the most the person who's the most famous at the point the movie is released is the one that ends up being the murder victim. And yeah. you were right for the first two. And then I was like, holy shit, he's right again. As soon as Michelle Yeoh was off, I was like, great, of course, because it's Johnny Depp in the first one, then Gal Gadot. 
there's more after that, but it's Gal Gadot is like the main one. And then yeah. Michelle Yeoh. So I was like, you're totally fucking right about that. And so, I love okay. that you you forgot about your whole theory and you were just like, because that's how powerful Michelle Yeoh is. She sucks you in. <laughs> so I think you'll I think you'll like this. I was really the beginning. I was really sucked into the story at the beginning of like this kind of like balance of supernatural and logic, because like you have this detective and then you have this this medium. And I really enjoyed Michelle Yeoh because I felt like she was the first character in the these three movies that was kind of set up as like the the, the murderer no not even the oh. I, I never thought she was gonna be the murderer but it was a, it was an ideology conflict like you were gonna have this this fight between religion and and mm-hmm. you know atheism or you know agnostic or whatever I mean, he basically but, has given up all hope at this point so she represents the total opposite of him you're right and and I really enjoyed their back and forth, and I really loved them, and I think I got really sucked into that. And so then, when she died, I was like, "God, I should have known. I should have." You known. literally <laughs> called it like when we fucking did Death on the Nile a few like like a month or two ago, whenever that was. You literally fucking called it, and now you're like, I don't remember any of that because that's how fucking good Michelle Yeoh is. I think. They're like, we'll just that's we should end this conversation there. That is the main message of the movie is that she yeah. sucks you in so much that when she's gone, you're like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> it's still great a really podcast, good movie. Everyone we will see you yeah. next week. I uh, mean, <laughs> I think that's a great clip for, you know, our, our follow up to the Michelle Yeoh one where you're like basically crying. I mean, this is just perfect. She got like, you yeah, again. Like- yeah, like when I have in my notes, I'm like, God damn it. I should have known she was going to die. The highest profile actor in the cast at the time is always the murdery. And yeah. Like you just laid the it out. That's, exactly That's what it a was. really cute name. So <laughs> I was I was really excited to see her and in her and Kenneth Branagh, I felt like had a really good chemistry and like dynamics. So I was really excited to see that kind of play out mm-hmm. for a movie and and then it didn't. And welcome I think- to my life. This is how I <laughs> felt with Murder on the Orient Express. Cause like that one scene with him and Johnny Depp at the table is just like a really great dynamic. I really yeah. enjoyed it. And I was like, I hadn't, you know, seen the original. I had rem- like once I got through the movie and figured out like the whole story, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. But like I was literally invested in his character. I was like, he's gonna live. He's gonna be like throughout this whole movie. And then I'm like, oh my God. And then I was just like, I wish he was in it more. That's my only complaint. <laughs> but with Haunting of Venice, I do feel like Michelle Yeoh is just so great. And we all love her so much, especially right now, that it is just like, ah, like kind yeah. of deflating when she dies. I mean, the other characters in this movie, I will say, all the other actors are great and all the characters are really well done. But like, yeah. she's definitely a big presence that you're like, fuck. I mean, she was barely in it, but. <laughs> well, and and I thought, I thought that like the main death that kind of brought them all there. I the thought daughter. that was going to be like the, the, the murder that was focused on. Yep. Just you like know? how Johnny Depp was the killer of like the little girl before the, the murder in Orient Express, which they're like getting revenge for. So it's like a yeah. whole backstory. Well, it's like even the title kind of threw me off. Cause like the first one is murder on the Orient Express and then death on the night. And this is haunting. And I was like, okay, so the person's already died. 
mm-hmm. and that's what the focus is on. And I mean, it seemed like from the fucking trailers and from yeah. everything this movie presents for a very long time that you're like, there's ghosts. This is ghosts. There, I mean, poor Roe is fucking con- like questioning everything for like a good middle section of the movie. Almost <laughs> till the very end, he's like, you're like, okay, this guy's either going insane or like this place really is haunted. And with how smart he is, and even in the midst of him, like having visions and shit, he still is fucking impressive. So you're like, I don't think this is real. Like, I can't <laughs> fully buy into it. But I'm also like, it's pretty damn convincing when he's like, yeah. starting to see shit, you know? So I think that's what kind of puts it at the bottom of my ranking for these three movies is because I thought the way the movie starts is I thought it was going to be like a very different kind of story like with where like he, no active murder in the, in the event that we're watching or something like it's maybe, a past murder only I, I don't know like maybe that but I, don't, I thought there was going to be a lot more of the the conflict of like the supernatural versus the logical mm-hmm. and, and there then was Michelle, there, there was that but I feel like Michelle Yeoh like her character was essentially the was supposed to play like the advocate for the supernatural and the advocate wasn't there. And so it was more like this, Oh, Hercule is experiencing these weird things. I wonder what's the going housekeeper on. was pretty strong about it. And a lot of the people there thought it was cause they just were like, I mean, everyone yeah, there is compelling like Michelle. Yeoh was. no, that's so. the problem. I mean, Jace, again, I think your biggest note for this movie <laughs> is Michelle. Yo, not in it long enough. It's at the bottom. But weirdly, I still love Murder on the Orient Express because I at least I really appreciate the performances left in that movie. But for me, I think Poirot is like the character that carries all these movies. And I want to just shout out Tina Fey being a wonderful addition in this one. Oh, yeah. So let's get to to Tina Fey in the second part of the uh, story that I was calling. So I called correctly that Michelle Yeoh was going to die. As I was watching, I was like, Tina Fey or Kelly Riley is is the murderer. Is the villain, yeah. And the reason being is in the previous movies, it's the second highest profile. The first one doesn't count because it's everyone, but all of the actors in that movie have high profiles, so it it still kind of counts. It's kind of perfect that they did that because you're like, you almost have to. Because <laughs> yeah. you're like, okay, so it's like, I don't know who to pick, right? But the, the other two, you're like, yeah, it's Army Hammer. Or it's like this one, it's like, okay, well, it's probably one of those two bits. So Tina Fey is the top spot. I included Kelly Riley just because I've I've watched Yellowstone and she's awesome. And she's incredible like, as an actor. I do feel like she was pretty good, like for suspicion wise, but then I I don't think I turn. I think I started to really pick up on her vibe when she was like, I mean, she was just the most suspicious bitch when she was like locking uh, the doctor guy in the back, you know, in there, Jamie Dornan. She's locking him in. Oh, it's a soundproof room. I'm making a big deal about locking it and giving the key to Poro only. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. we get it. You're the fucking murderer. <laughs> I've seen this shit before. This is the third movie. I fucking knew it. And I was right. I was glad that they kind of revealed that, yeah, Tina Fey is a bad guy, but she's not the bad guy. Yeah. She's she's a writer that needs a story, and she was using Perot to do it. But then it's like, she's not the person. Um, yeah. I mean, 
ultimately like she's still not a good friend for him though like ever since i was hoping that she could fill a role that like i mean she kind of did for most of the movie like she was their little like dynamic was very similar to book which was very good because that was going to be my biggest thing going into this movie was knowing that book was no longer here because he's one of my favorites you loved book i loved book oh and I really enjoyed the like vibe that Tina Fey brought. And she was also really funny and their whole relationship. But like, yeah, I was like, God damn it. He needs some fucking better friends. I just want this man to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> He's so great. But it's like he ends up just dying a little bit inside at the end of all of these. Well, as he says in the movie, he doesn't have friends. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's or she, she says he doesn't he also have friends says that at the beginning, though. You're right. And I wanted to ask you this because they even mentioned this in the movie. And I think you had mentioned this when we initially like were like getting ready to record. And you you might have agreed that the kid in the movie was creepy. Oh, do you mean the adult child? Yeah. I mean, okay, Jamie Dornan's son, which like we all know Jamie Jamie Dornan. I don't know if you are familiar with him, but he's in like Fifty Shades of Grey, all those. But he was also oh. in um Belfast the movie that Kenneth Branagh did last year that's like his life story and like this mm. little boy was also in it and played Jamie Dornan's son aka like literally the Kenneth Branagh stand-in so like <laughs> I was like no shit they're both in this movie however I differ I don't think he was creepy they even say it the characters also say it in the movie but I was like have you guys seen this guy's dad like he there's no way that this guy could take care of this kid this kid had to grow up and be like 40 years old because his dad is so fucked up. Like, poor dad. I get it. It's not like he's just an asshole. But, like, he's definitely, like, got hella PTSD. That guy can't function. Yeah. The dad was definitely unhinged. I mean, when he punched the other guy, I was like, wait, what's going on? Uh- <laughs> yeah. And he was, like, literally about to shove his fucking face down on some, like, broken glass. I was like, Jesus, this this guy's way crazier than I already thought. Like, Escalated quickly. That really did. But the thing that I really thought throughout the movie and that I also thought, like, later... And especially with where Poirot Poirot is at during this movie, I feel like the little kid was like very much like reminding him of him as a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel like I can imagine Poirot also being a very adult child. You know what I mean? He seems like the personality. And I just felt like this kid was kind of like, like he'll eventually maybe be a detective. I mean, he figured out all this shit and was blackmailing the murderer for a long time before this. So like, that's just crazy. Yeah, the the kid weirdly works by the end of the movie. At yeah. the very beginning, I was like, is this an if you've never seen the movie The Orphan, just don't worry about what this means. I it's thought just this orphan, was, but yeah. I thought this was an orphan situation. He does and, kind of seem like very like much a 40-year-old in a kid's body. It's crazy. Yeah. By the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, no, he's the bad guy. He's orchestrated this whole thing because He's an adult. Um, but <laughs> honestly, it wouldn't be the first time that a movie has had that twist. Like, I know that this is totally giving it away, but the movie came out in 2003, everyone. But Identity has that twist where it's like, I mean, those are all different personalities, but like the little boy is the one that was the murderer the whole time and the <laughs> one that kills everyone. And you're like, yeah. what? That's insane. And I loved it because it was so wild. So I was like, kind of ready for that to happen here. I was like, I feel like this kid's being set up as like a, yeah. you know, Poro Jr. I was almost shocked that he didn't adopt him by the end because I was like, yeah. he's literally without anybody. But well, and okay. also, 
And also, like, this movie being marketed as, like, a horror movie. I'm like, okay, let's draw on some other horror movies. I could see this. but they, yeah, they This isn't the omen or anything, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I thought the kid was good. And I also, I mean, maybe the way they got there was a little bit rocky. But, like, by the end of it, he was essentially, like, the halfway point between um, Poro and and Michelle Yeoh's character like he's not a full-fledged medium but like he senses the things and he's not getting drugged by the the weird honey thing yeah exactly that kid definitely had some like like he's like almost like the kid like I see dead people you know and fucking sixth sense like he had a little bit of that vibe where he like <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe he had to grow good, up good because call, he could yeah. fucking talk to ghosts like I imagine that you would grow up pretty quick if the, those things were like haunting you all the time uh and, and like I just I thought he was cute, but like I totally agree he does come off a little creepy at points. The 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 weirdest thing that he does in the entire movie is that his his dad is killed, but he doesn't cry until the end reveal when they're like, Oh, you killed my dad, and then he cries. It's like well, I think he's like even more torn up because it's yeah. like that woman he just did not expect. Or no, wait, he did. But he I guess he knew that she was doing other murders, but he didn't know that she was doing all the murders that night. So yeah. He just wasn't he, he tracking was it. Blackmailing him, but he knew yeah. about the daughter, but not about the murders that happened that night. He it yeah. I mean, honestly, the way that his dad died, there's no like he did it to himself, but still. This movie did also up the body count, which I want to say I mentioned last time and they did it again. It's three this time. Yeah. If you don't count the original one, which I don't. Because yeah. that there's doesn't happen of, on screen. There's a lot of people dying, which yeah. I feel like you got to do. I, I mean, was, you I have was... to up the body count. It's a horror movie in that way, at least. That's my one argument that this movie is kind of a horror movie is because they go with the body count up it. You got to. Oh, well, the other thing that I really enjoyed from the horror aspect of it actually real quick before i don't know if the kid said it but someone said it and i took a note aspirin and opium is a great name for a punk rock album <laughs> somebody says like, like a band name <laughs> somebody's like get him aspirin and opium and i just took a note aspirin and opium is a great name for a punk rock album. I feel like you're like uh, Chris Pratt in uh, Parks and Rec when he's like, when, uh, the, when everyone Al says Pratt. like a, a fun name and he's always like, band name called it. And he just has all those crazy ones. But like someone once says like, it's like Fleetwood Mac, uh, like sex pants. And he's like, Fleetwood Mac sex pants called it like band name. And then he goes, wait, what about just Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> But anyways, that just reminded me of that. Aspirin and opium. Um, <laughs> it is a good band name, dude. That shit would be yeah. fucking like amazing. Let's start we it. We are aspirin and opium. <laughs> We're here to fuck you up. Anyways, um, <laughs> there was one scene that had like a real horror movie vibe to it. And I wish they had done it more through the movie. It's But it's when um, it's when he goes and he's like, the there's a sound coming from the basement. They're like, there is no basement. And then he like runs through the hall and it goes yep. like first person camera, shaky cam, and then like flips around. And it's like, you see the hallway and the hallway looks really long. And then it's like, Oh, it's the door. And then you push. I, I really liked that short little segment. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, this reminds me of like some great low budget horror movies. And I'm like, yeah, 
could we could we do this just the rest of the movie <laughs> i know i know i was like i know i i wanted more of that too and i agree like the the trailers made it seem like we we're getting a lot more horror movie stuff but like i knew going into this that like no matter how they're trying to spin it they're just trying to fucking buy like sell tickets you know what i mean they this movie's not gonna be that so i'm like i want every movie i watch yeah. to be a horror movie and especially if it was just like randomly turned into one that'd be incredible but like i knew that that probably was not gonna be the case with this movie because i was like i just feel like kenneth branagh would not be in a horror movie i don't know maybe he has been in the past and i'm wrong but like i just don't think he's going full-blown horror movie he just like no, was nominated no for oscars and shit that they always look down on that and there's no way that a studio is going to drop 60 million on a horror. Like the only <laughs> horror movies that have ever been near that are sequels of extremely successful. Yeah. Like exactly. And it's like they, if they don't work, it's like canned, you know, they're very, very, they're not very lenient with that shit, but yeah, yeah I agree. I just think overall this, this movie had a good mystery at least to it. And I like that. Like, it was a female this time. I mean, I guess it's always been a female, so he's kind of targeting the women. They're just... the problem. <laughs> They're but, the uh... problem. We're the problem, everybody. But no, um... I, li- I really liked that it was a uh, the twist was like a stock or not Stockholm, um, Munchhaus- Munchausen's by proxy yeah. reveal. You know, hundred um, percent. Where it's like you're me... you're drugging someone so that they're helpless and they have to stay with you. Yeah, it reminds me of that show from HBO HBO a couple of years ago. I think it was called Sharp Objects. But oh, fuck yeah, dude. With Amy Adams. That show fucking ripped. It ripped hard. And I used yeah. to always I used to always just give myself a little personal pleasure. And I would say, hey, babe, are you ready to watch Sharper Image? She's like, it's not what it's called. And I'm like, no. are you sure? What is it called? <laughs> <laughs> but that would be a very similar plot. And like, I you always show. Think- yeah sorry that show i mean it's basically fucking as good as a movie it's like an eight-hour movie yeah um but i do feel like i love that twist whenever i whenever we get it because it doesn't happen all the time and it's not like overdone so it's like you almost kind of forget about it and like she started raising my suspicions but i was like did she i mean i knew that she might have killed somebody but i was like did she kill her daughter i don't know i still was like not sure if the ghosts were real or not honestly i still am not positive at the end of the movie, because they kind of have a ghost moment after he's disproved everything. Yeah, the the ghosts kind of. So that was the thing that I, I I wish the movie did a little bit more of the horror, like questioning stuff, and then they explained it all with the honey thing, and then like the I mean, ghost it's pretty damning that, evidence. It's it's <laughs> very good. It explains everything, but like the the fun part of like horror movies and like spirit stuff is that like you can't explain everything. And so then for like at the very end like a ghost pulls her off kind of thing. It was good, but it's like I kind of wish that there was a little bit more of the ambiguous stuff yeah. in the middle kind of to think... keep it open ended cuz like by the t- by the end of it they're like we've explained everything. Yeah. And then but then they do Here's that. So, yeah, it does <laughs> yeah. that kind of make you think that. But it's also like, you know, he hasn't been the reliable narrator, weirdly, for most of the movie. But he does figure that out by the end. But again, is the honey still working? I don't know how long the honey lasts. Is it like a drug? It's like a couple hours or is it like eight hours? Like, I don't fucking know. How much know. tea are you drinking? Man? Thank you. Yeah. Like, I don't fucking know. It's pretty crazy. And this this murder stuff, like all the ways that it works is like it's pretty complicated all that mm. shit but it's like crazy that he figures it out 
Like if if you I rewatched this movie right before we recorded like last night and I was just like, yeah, there's like definitely like things. But like, I'm not smart enough to fucking put that shit together. I don't know about some fucking flower that only grows in Turkey that you can get that has all this (laughs) fucking properties. But like I knew that this kind of setup was like a thing, but I just was not expecting it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was good. And then, you know, you get the little twist at the end that the kid is the the one blackmailing yeah, because his dad's crazy. So it makes you feel better. But you're also like and I love that. He's like, I don't even know what to do with it all. I just use it to pay bills. And I was like, well, see, that's what I'm saying. I knew I knew I was right about this kid. I could tell. Watch a lot of horror, Jace. I know a secret villain when I see one. And he definitely did not have the vibe. But if he I, wasn't a villain. He was doing the good thing. Except if you're a little kid doing that mischievous of things, yeah. you're definitely going to become a villain in the future. Maybe, or maybe he becomes Batman. I don't know. It's like <laughs> fucking. I love that the theory that the kid from Home Alone becomes Jigsaw because it really tracks. But it's like you know, I I don't think we could judge him too harshly. You know, his dad was never going to work. That's the thing. Kids could. Everyone could say the kid's creepy all day, but like. Believe me, I feel like if that's your dad, you're gonna have to grow up pretty fucking quick. And he's talking to ghosts like this kid grew is like literally in his 50s, probably emotionally. <laughs> oh, yeah, that I mean, that kid was he was acting exactly how he was written, so like yeah. he was very, very good. I, it was just the 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 there was no innocence the entire movie, and I'm like, is this a child? <laughs> or are you a full grown person? But honestly, I I mean, it could have been, you know, you know, he was that good. I feel like if they uh, if they remake The Omen or do one of these other kind of movies, he's a prime fucking candidate. You mm-hmm. know, evil child nailed it. <laughs> I will say. Um, but he's still cute to me. I still like the evil kids. He's very cute. He kind of looks like the 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 Christmas story kid with the glasses. Yeah. yeah. I will say that the I the thing that I enjoy with all these movies is that they haven't they haven't redone an ending you know like the first one was everyone's the killer for this reason and the second one is like army hammers the killer because his wife is crazy and he's also crazy so they do stuff and he there so it's all for the reasons are for love yeah yeah and so then this This one technically yeah and so then this one doing munchausen's i thought was a really good thing mm-hmm. to like keep the endings interesting it's like oh all right we're getting into like mental illnesses now like where mm-hmm. did the fourth one go you know yeah i um, mean i'm I just like- saying i was kind of ready for it to go supernatural but i feel like the audience is like you know the general public i feel like they always complain about shit when they're like i was with this until it turned supernatural and i was like why like they always that's always a complaint and i'm like the movie is called haunting in venice people like what the fuck i i feel like i'm a little disappointed that there wasn't really ghosts i mean we don't know i guess the ending's vague but like you know what i mean i feel like that's always what people fucking complain about at least when i see online and like the user rating is higher for this probably because they're not like they try to disprove everything. Mm-hmm. People like get really passionate about it. They're like Jim on the office when he's like, but like if we have kids, you would never tell them that like, like oh, that sound, it could be a ghost. It's like, okay, well, what's your problem with that? Right. People have a real problem with accepting supernatural shit. I don't know why. 
Well, and like crossing genres, they're like, exactly. A detective, this is a detective. Story and ghosts, get out of here. I'm no, like, we can't do that. Are you guys kidding me? There's some of the best, like, there's a lot of really great supernatural detective stories. Like, don't get me started on The Empty Man, but like, there's a <laughs> bunch of them. I'm just saying it's a ripe genre. And if you're cutting yourself off because something goes supernatural, you're missing out on good shit. Well, and we'll talk about it more next week, but like, in our movie news conversation, but like crossing genres is like such a great thing. And it's led to some of at least my favorite things ever. And we'll get there. Yeah. Thank you. Happy death day. Just have to throw it out there. Yeah. Got to do it. Uh, but yeah, now the real question is now that we wrap this up, um, what does Knives Out 3 look like? Are they going to do a supernatural element to it? Or... Didn't they buy like three, the rights, Netflix bought the rights to like at least the next two Knives Out, two and three. So he's definitely working on, I'm sure that they have him already. Like he's going to be oh, casting any day now. I mean, I don't know the details, but I'm convinced that Netflix had, like Netflix is Ryan Johnson's retirement account. Like, yeah doesn't even have to do the movies they're just like we have you on call like this but is I a love that he's, he's actually like just raising the overall like average quality of like a netflix movie just with each with glass onion already like if he gives them another banger he's really putting up their stocks so like uh-huh. i know that the actor strikes going on but i bet you that'll come soon but i will be curious maybe we'll do like a a youtube special where we just go through both of the series that would be just <laughs> riveting shit well we'll get there (laughs) i'd like it but hey to come out in like 2024 so we'll see how the (laughs) delays turn out but yeah till then it's a race you know are we gonna get another hercula perlow (laughs) perot sorry kenneth (laughs) brana versus ryan johnson who will make another movie first i would say kenneth brana because he's got the material to go off of already but Mm. you know we got glass onion pretty quick so who knows there we go This haunting is over, and we're on to the next one. Yeah, now you were wrong last week in the outro, but now you can safely say that we are past hauntings, at least for a little while. Who knows? We'll be back to him eventually. If there's anyone who has been listening to us for any amount of time, they should know that I am not a credible source for any information. So, yeah, I mean, we never really claim to be like a lot of the time. Sometimes I'll say things and then I'll go back and be like, that was totally wrong. But like, whatever, (laughs) you know, we're not we're not certified movie experts. So we're just doing our best, people. Yeah, we're just people who love movies. And, you know, most of the time we're dumb, but we can articulate ourselves. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> that's debatable. Yeah, hope you enjoyed uh, a haunting in Venice because we did. And next week, haven't done one in a while, but we're taking a little break. We're doing a movie news episode. Fuck yeah! A lot of lot of news that has popped up over the last month or so. Open. <laughs> open? Did I, I say? I thought you open? were going to say popped open. Yeah, the way you said oh. popped open. And I was like, oh, okay. It's popped open. Whose shirt is popping open, Jace? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I might I might undo a couple buttons for that pod, even <laughs> though it's an audio thing. Uh, <laughs> Pervert. But we got a lot of stuff, a lot of movie announcements, a lot of information, a lot of updates. Probably some more, too. Because I think, like, Disney or Marvel maybe is announcing stuff this week. And same with, uh, I want to say, Netflix. 
Oh, yeah. And Nintendo just made a big announcement. So, so yeah, there's more stuff that we haven't even thought about. It's coming up. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Might be our longest episode to date. <laughs> I don't know if anything will be longer than, um, was it Nope? Like we almost went. Yeah. Or Dr. Sleep. I feel like we almost went like three hours. We're just like, this movie's incredible. We love Flanagan too much. We know. Oh. Uh. Well, um, if you haven't been keeping up with our Saw rewatch, we just did Saw 10. Mm-hmm. Coming up next is our rankings. So stay alert for that. And um, that's pretty much it for this week on the regular exclusive. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We out here.